1: Welcome to another edition of Cowboys Cast, presented by bloggingtheboys.com. I am your host, Bobby Belt. No Dak Prescott, no problem. Cowboys take care of business against the Minnesota Vikings on Sunday Night Football, 20-16. It wasn't always pretty with Cooper Rush in there, especially in the first half. But, uh, I mean, damn it, he got it done. He did, and he put up some numbers in the process. Uh, Before we get too deep in today's show, I wanted to let all of you know that uh, with the game being played on Sunday Night Football, it being a late game, we won't have an episode of Cowboys Roundup today on the Blog and the Boys podcast feed. Uh, You can check out the post-game show with RJ Ochoa from last night, however, and the feed schedule returns to normal tomorrow. So all of you looking for Cowboys Roundup, we'll see it tomorrow. We'll open today's show with a quick overview of the game before diving into more specifics and some of the bigger takeaways from it, some of my thoughts on the game. Uh, it started a little, too, so we're just going to kind of run down, you know, an overview of the game for either people who missed it or missed parts of it, or uh, just to kind of get a 10,000-foot view, or reminder of how this game progressed. It was a little troubling at the jump. The Vikings marched 61 yards down the field on seven plays in just over three minutes to open the game. Minnesota faced thirds down twice on that drive converting the first one on a 31-yard pass to Tyler Conklin, and then they converted the other due to a penalty on Trayvon Diggs. Then it was a busted coverage. It appeared to be on Diggs. I mean, it could be on Casey. It was hard to tell who exactly it was on. It looked like Diggs thought he was supposed to jam and release, but the way he kind of panicked and turned around and ran made me think that uh, that was Diggs' assignment. But busted coverage leads to a 20-yard touchdown reception by Adam Thielen. Dallas then takes their opening possession, and they put together a nice little drive, actually. Uh, 11 plays, 50 yards. It eventually stalls out. Uh, Cooper Rush unable to keep the drive alive when faced with third down. Greg Zerline misses a 43-yard field goal. And then when the Vikings get the ball back, Dalvin Cook picks up 15 yards on the very next play. And you could sense this nervous energy surrounding Cowboys fans at that moment. Twitter just felt a little bit like, oh, boy, here it is. This is where the team crumbles without Dak Prescott. You know, they get down the field, but then it's same old Greg Zerline, and then, oh, here's another chunk play. But, you know, it it felt very much like this could be trending towards something very ugly. But the Cowboys' defense settled down. They force a punt a few plays later, and then Dallas puts together another nine-play drive that crosses into Minnesota territory, And then the drive abruptly ends when Cooper Rush attempts to fit a ball into double coverage. And it was our old friend, Xavier Woods, picking it off. And on that throw, I'm not totally sure what he was looking at there. Either he didn't see one of the two safeties that were covering Blake Jarwin, or as I said on Twitter, he just had an irrational amount of confidence to think he could fit it in there. Uh, But Harrison Smith knocks the ball in the air and then Xavier Woods grabs it and picks it off. And at this point, Just into the second quarter, we've seen the chunk plays from the Vikings. We've seen the missed field goal. There's a turnover from the Cowboys. It's, again, just not looking like a very sharp effort. looks like one of these games that if you don't have Dak Prescott, you're not going to win. The Dallas defense, though, to their credit, they hold steady again. They force a three and out. Cooper Rush and the Cowboys offense, they finally put together a 12-play drive that ends in a score. Dallas kicks a field goal, puts them on the board, still trailing 7-3. to three. The very next possession, the Vikings get the lead right back up to 7 points, though. It was a very frustrating 11-play drive for the Vikings. Uh, that Saw Bradley and I jumping offsides on a punt. That extended the drive for Minnesota. They were at 4th and 5, and that offsides call uh, kept the drive alive for them. Dallas had actually forced, at the time, what was a 3-and-out. And then we saw the Vikings convert a 4th and inches for a big 32-yard gain to, to Adam Thielen. Um, but to Dallas's credit, once again, they tightened up after that and locked down and they forced the field goal and it would remain 10 to three until the first possession of the second half. When Cooper rush finds Cedric Wilson on third and eight for a 73 yard touchdown pass rush, found a soft spot in the defense, you know, tossed it between the safeties. It, It was a nice read and a, a nice toss. Um, that was a big gain. It was up to about midfield. Uh, and then Wilson took it the remaining 50 yards or so. And it was a great run after catch, especially for like the last 20 yards or so when he's weaving between these three defenders and, and trying to dupe them into which direction he's going and ultimately uh, basically went untouched until he got into the end zone. Minnesota, after that, now that it's 10-10, they quickly punt the ball back to Dallas. But Cooper Rush takes a bad sack on third down that backs the Cowboys up inside their own 10. And that gave the Vikings good field position near midfield. And even though Dallas' defense played solid for most of that possession and and continued to, uh, you know, kind of lock things down, all it took was an 18-yard reception by Justin Jefferson at the opening of that drive to get them into field goal range. So a few plays later, the Vikings eventually settle for a 40-yard field goal and a 13-10 lead with 631 remaining in the third quarter. Dallas failed to do... Much with their next possession, they quickly punted, but the Vikings give the ball right back uh, with a three and out. And Kellen Moore at that point dips into his bag of tricks uh, early on the next possession. Cedric Wilson uh, took what looked like a a smoke route. It was actually a backwards lateral. Takes that from Cooper Rush. He kind of evades defenders that are closing in, moves off to the right, and delivers a 35-yard strike to CeeDee Lamb to get the Cowboys into field goal range. The drive fizzles after that, but Greg Zerline was good from 39 yards, and they tie up the game heading into the fourth quarter at 13-13. Minnesota went three and out to open the fourth quarter, and Dallas seemed to be in the middle of another nice drive. Just about every drive, there wasn't a whole lot of, you know, quick three and out for the Cowboys. Even when, you know, there was a turnover or a missed field goal or whatever else, they were putting together nice drives. And that was the case again with their first drive of the fourth quarter, putting together a good drive, getting it to around midfield, Xavier Woods again making a play. He comes unblocked on a slot blitz, where it looked like Tony Pollard should have been picking him up. That may have been more on Cooper Rush for not uh, motioning him over to the other side. But Xavier Woods comes unblocked on the slot blitz, knocks the ball loose from Cooper Rush. Minnesota takes over around midfield. It's a thirteen-thirteen ball game. Dallas's defense again, though, did not waver, forced a third straight three-and-out from the Vikings. The Vikings really had a lot of trouble on third down in this game. The Dallas defense was so so good uh, for the entire game, really, but especially on third down. Dallas's offense couldn't make anything out of that though. That that momentum of stifling the Vikings after they get the turnover, so they uh, pick up just a yard on the next possession and then punt the ball back. Minnesota then had their longest possession of the game. It was a ten play, sixty nine yard drive lasting five minutes and seventeen seconds. Nearly half of that yardage came from penalties, though. It was a roughing the passer call on Terrell Basham and then back-to-back unnecessary roughness calls on Randy Gregory, and that accounted for 33 yards on the drive. But I think all three of those calls were questionable at best. Um, I mean, I think you can make an argument for all three of them that, yeah, to the letter of the law, they break it. Um, But I think in that game, they were a little ticky-tack. There were a few ticky-tack calls. I thought some of the penalties on Trayvon Diggs were a little weak. Dallas had stood strong, though, in the red zone, even with all those penalties, even with the negative plays. And Minnesota had to kick another field goal that gave them a 16-13 lead with 2.51 to play in the game. And the Cowboys get their final opportunity of the game and make the best of it. Amari Cooper makes a miraculous tip-drill reception to pick up 33 yards on the second play of the drive. And that's a, a pass that I think it was Cameron Dantzler in coverage. It may not have been. But that ball went straight through Amari Cooper's hands, bounced off Dantzler's chest and then he kind of tips it around himself and he catches it and it's a great catch and it's a circus catch and we're all in awe of it but i mean that was if if he didn't catch that ultimately i think we're talking about just a complete whiff this morning on that catch down the sideline and well what could that have been amari just let the ball go right through his hands and amari cooper had a great game last night one of his best games of his career Um, On the very next play after that, Amari Cooper again picks up another 18 yards. A messy sequence of bad plays and penalties set Dallas up with third and 16 from the Minnesota 25 with a little over a minute left. And then Minnesota gets flagged for the very rare delay of game on the defense after being granted back-to-back timeouts. Uh, You're not supposed to get them. Mike Zimmer apparently after the game said he forgot when he called for a second consecutive timeout, forgot that he had just called one. Um, and the referees, I guess, forgot that they weren't supposed to grant it to him. They're supposed to ignore it, but they granted it to him, and once they did, they realized, oh, we have to call delay a game on him. Uh, So that gets a five-yard pickup, and now they're facing third and 11, and Cooper Rush dumps it off to Ezekiel Elliott well short of the first down. I think it was just like two yards past the line of scrimmage, and there's three or four defenders right in front of Ezekiel Elliott. But Zeke fights through those defenders. He picks up the first down, gets down to the five-yard line. It's... Certainly possible that that is the biggest play Ezekiel Elliott has made. Um, the biggest and most impressive play he's made since his rookie season. The only other one that comes to mind to me is the over the shoulder catch against Detroit to set up the game winning field goal by Brett Maher in 2018. Um, but big play, tough run after the catch. That was all Ezekiel Elliott on that play. Uh, that was not an easy pickup. That, that was something where I think most players go down five or six yards short of the first down marker, and he sets them up with first and goal with under a minute left. Amari Cooper, uh, Cooper scores on a beautiful throw and catch on a back shoulder fade on the very next play to put Dallas ahead for good 20-16. to 16. Cowboys sit at 6-1 and one and remain well ahead of the competition in the NFC East. Uh, Philadelphia won on Sunday. New York was off. Washington lost, but... All three teams remain below 500 with Dallas sitting at six and one and Dallas now knowing they can win games without Dak Prescott and a few other players.
0: Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work
1: Okay, so before we jump into some of the broader takeaways from the game, let's quickly touch on the Cowboys injury situation as we know it at the time of the recording of this podcast because there are a lot of injuries to kind of sort through. First off, we know Dak Prescott missed the game with the calf injury. It seemed to be trending that direction late last week, and by the time the game arrived, it wasn't very surprising at all that Cooper Rush made the start. I think everybody by Sunday morning was kind of feeling like, all right, this is going to be a Cooper Rush day. Uh, Brad Sham asked Mike McCarthy on the 105.3 The Fan pregame show if he'd be able to say that Dak Prescott would be available for this upcoming week's game against the Broncos, and McCarthy was noncommittal. Um, John Mashota was of the Athletic was part of a group of reporters that was uh, standing around with Dak Prescott after the game, and he tweeted out some of the quotes from Dak. Uh, on if it's still possible for him to play lit next week, Dak said, quote, for sure, I was getting to prepare getting prepared to play this game. I'm a guy that takes it day by day. I'm going to celebrate this win with the guys and worry about rehabbing and getting everything back in order tomorrow. Dak then said, I had a plan all week trying to progress and get myself out there. We made a call at the end of having a chance to come out with a win without me playing and be able to get healthy and not have something re-injure and linger past this week. And that was something that I had heard talking to people is that they felt like he was probably good enough to play yesterday. Um, But they were concerned about some of the the long-term implications of it and how easy it would be to re-injure it at this stage and potentially set him back further than the original injury was. And so we'll be monitoring Prescott's health again this week, it sounds like. A bunch of other people are going to be having a watchful eye on their injury status. Um, Tyron Smith, who missed some of the Patriots game with a left ankle injury, missed the final series of the first half and then the remainder of the game after that. It was related to that same ankle injury from the Patriots game. Trayvon Diggs also left the game late with an ankle issue. His seems less serious than Tyron Smith's ankle. Doesn't sound like much more than just normal bumps and bruises of an NFL season. He's kind of been dealing with it a little bit. Um, and he, he hit it. It looked like, I think on Jordan Lewis, uh, on like the th- second to last or third to last play of the game, uh, kind of smacked his ankle on Jordan Lewis's leg, but it wasn't like he rolled it. Um, uh, people, uh, on the beat had been saying that he looked fine kind of walking around after the game. And so I don't think there's too much to be concerned with there. Amari Cooper came out for a couple of plays on the final series after his right hamstring injury flared up again. Um, it's bugged him for much of the season as a lot of his injury issues seem to, uh, Cooper was seen kind of rubbing a tennis ball on his hamstring on the sideline, uh, between his 18 yard reception on the final drive. And then his, uh, back shoulder fade touchdown to end the game. Uh, but he seemed to indicate to reporters that he'll be fine. And the most severe of the injuries from last night was to Jabril Cox. Cox is believed to have suffered a torn ACL, which would end his rookie season. That's something that the Cowboys have to be really disappointed about. Their desire to see you know Jabril Cox get on the field uh, was part of the reason, not the only reason, but that was part of the reason that they moved on from Jalen Smith. They wanted to get more opportunities for him, and now it seems like his season uh, is over. So that's where things are at with the Dallas injury situation. Let's take a look at some of the larger takeaways that I had from this game. Obviously, Cooper Rush is the headline from this game, his performance, what it meant. Um, but there are three players who really stand out for their performance in this game, I think, and and really made a difference. Amari Cooper, Cedric Wilson, and Micah Parsons. And the Cowboys don't win this game without the contributions of those three. Uh, you know, Coop was a reliable target all night, for Cooper Rush he had eight receptions 122 yards in the game when he touched down all eight of Amari Cooper's receptions went for first downs he is such a talented route runner and he is such a reliable player even when he's banged up and he's hurt um, it, it was really helpful to have him out there making plays uh, for Cooper Rush and to help him moving the chains I think that boosted him a lot Cedric Wilson had a 73-yard touchdown reception. He also had a 35-yard completion to CeeDee Lamb that helped set up a Greg Zerline field goal. In fact, Cedric Wilson, the only player in Cowboys history now to, in the same game, have a 30-yard completion and a 70-yard reception. Uh, Cedric Wilson also had another 9-yard reception on 3rd and 4 in the second quarter that kept Dallas' drive alive. They were already in somewhat of field goal range, um, and Greg Zerline eventually kicked a field goal uh, on that drive, but it would have been a dicey 50-yard attempt if Wilson hadn't gotten that new set of downs and gotten them closer, and ultimately Zerline was able to kick a field goal that was under 40 yards. Um, so Zerline already missing a kick and then having to kick it from 50, that could have been dicey. So Wilson had the touchdown, the deep pass to CeeDee Lamb that set up a field goal, and then he continued to drive that set up a better field goal opportunity for Greg Zerline. So potentially a 13, you know, 13 of their 20 points – uh, coming off the board if Cedric Wilson doesn't do what he did last night. Um, Micah Parsons became the first rookie in NFL history to have 10 solo tackles and four tackles for loss in a single game. And this was probably his best game as a linebacker, playing you know mainly at linebacker as opposed to some of the stuff he's done on the defensive line. And it's one of the better games I can remember from a Cowboys linebacker, period. Um, you know, I kind of think back to some of Sean Lee's games against the Giants uh, were, were big, Rolando McClain in 2014 had some really nice games. Um, I think the Tennessee game that year, the second week of the season, was one of the better ones that he had played. Um, But I have a hard time coming up with a game that was more impactful and more noticeable from a Cowboys linebacker than the one that Parsons had last night. Um, It felt like he was seeing everything a step ahead of, of everyone else on the field. And the instincts and the athleticism were more evident yesterday than any game this season, I think. And so it was a really impressive performance from Micah Parsons and really has you feeling like, you know, it's not just the pass rush capability, but it's all coming together for him now in coverage and in the run game and and his, you know, ability to see the game, you know, a, a few steps ahead. You're starting to really see that from him. And that's exciting. And it was a true team victory. I mean, this game was, you know, a lot of people had a big hand in it. You know, C.D. Lamb had over 100 yards receiving. Randy Gregory caused a lot of pressure. Um, Anthony Brown had a couple of big plays. J. Ron Kearse had some big plays. So it was a, a true collective effort, which is what I think you needed in order to win this game without Dak Prescott. Uh, but I think those three players really stand out for me Is if you didn't have any one of those three doing what they did last night, I don't know that you win. Um, another... Big thought from this. Cooper Rush had his warts in this game, but overall, I think everyone is pretty pleased with his performance. Um, He struggled in the first half. He could have easily come out of halftime with three interceptions in the game. And by that, I mean, he had one that was picked off and he had two others that were dropped. Um, One that, you know, initially was ruled an interception and then was overturned, and then another that uh, hit a guy directly in his chest and he just didn't catch it. And that's not even to, you know, mention some like one or two other throws that he had that were just dangerous and, and they were in tight spaces where there were defenders close, but they didn't necessarily get their hands on them. I'm only counting the ones where guys were right there to make the pick and it bounced off of them or they did make the interception. Cooper Rush could have had three picks in the first half, but he settled down in the second half and he played strong down the stretch. He still had a couple miscommunication moments, you know, Dalton Schultz going one way and him throwing the ball the completely opposite direction. Uh, missed Amari Cooper down the sideline where he had had some separation through the ball, like, eight to 10 yards over him. Um, So there were some issues there in the second half, but you can't argue with the results and what he put up. 14 for 23 in the second half, 225 yards, two touchdowns, zero interceptions in the second half, a big, big performance from Cooper Rush. And if you can get him to play the way he did in the second half, not necessarily the whole game, because like I said, I think the first half it would be tough to beat a really good team with the way he was playing in the first half. But if you can get him to play the way he did in the second half against, you know, a a contender with the talents that you have, I think you can feel okay about him being the backup quarterback. And, And you wouldn't necessarily feel like it's a guaranteed loss if Dak Prescott went down. I mean, they won this game without Dak Prescott and without Tyron Smith. In fact, when Tyron Smith went down was when he started making uh, his biggest plays of the game and so Cooper Rush stood up when the pressure became more intense uh, if you're looking for one statistical difference between these two teams that may have been the driving force behind Dallas's victory I would look no further than third down efficiency and I kind of referenced this earlier but the Cowboys went seven for 14 on third down in this game while Minnesota went one for 13 and they made their first third down attempt so they went zero for their final 12 third down attempts which is unreal cooper rush in particular was really good in the second half as we just mentioned but specifically on third down rush goes four for six for 109 yards and a touchdown and had two other passes two of those other four completions uh converted third down he likely would have been five for six with an extra first down on his ledger but cd lamb had a really bad drop on a third down attempt of the first fourth quarter that was uh a drop that then they had to kick it away to Minnesota and Minnesota ultimately uh, kicked that field goal that put them up 16-13 before Dallas went on their final drive. Um, in fact, we'd probably be talking, if they lost this game, we'd probably be talking a lot about that C.D. Lamb drop on third down because that looked like it was going to be a first down. Um, in the second half, uh, Russia's third down conversions were on third and eight, third and 13, and then finally the crucial third and 11 on that final drive that set up a Mari Cooper touchdown. So not just... Converting, you know, third and two on a, you know, play action rollout and, you know, a boot throw to Dalton Schultz or something like that. He was converting really long third down opportunities. Um, and that's a, a a big key uh to winning football games in the National Football League is when you can convert not just third down, but you can convert third and long. When you can do that, you're really tough to beat. And when you can do that with a backup quarterback, I mean, that's saying something really, really big. Uh Another note from the game, as we mentioned, Tyron Smith being out, uh, it was interesting to note that Terrence Steele made the start at right tackle, which we anticipated, uh, given what we'd heard during the week. But when Tyron Smith went out before halftime, it was Ty and who took his place at left tackle and not Lyle Collins. So the Cowboys went ahead and had Terrence Steele and Ty and in the game. Even when Tyron Smith went down, they still didn't want to put Lyle Collins at tackle. Now, I know some people may be saying, well, you know, he's been playing right tackle, so you can't put him at left tackle. Well, you know, they've been talking about putting him at left guard. So the sides issue, playing on the left versus right side, shouldn't really be an issue. And Lyle Collins even said uh, this week that the left side is more natural to him, and that's where he feels more comfortable playing anyway. And so let him get out there. Let him play left tackle. Um, but they gave it to Inseki and uh, I, I think that was an interesting move, not just because I Inseki's not a better player than Lyle Collins – but you've also got Connor Williams, who struggled the last few weeks, sitting right there next to him. That left side of the line had a lot of, you know, pressure coming off of it. Everson Griffin, as soon as Tyron Smith went out, Everson Griffin started having a real impact on the game, rushing uh, against Ty and Secchi. So uh, Lyle Collins got four snaps on the game. He didn't take any of them on the offensive line. He was used alongside Connor McGovern in a jumbo backfield look, um, kind of a full house formation. And the Cowboys picked up 6, and 2 yards respectively on those four plays. So it was a formation that they, you know, were able to get some yardage out of and, you know, average 7.5 yards per play out of, uh, which is great. Um, But I I think you're still a better football team with Lyle Collins somewhere along that offensive line. And I'll be interested to see how hard the Cowboys work to actually figure that out. The running game numbers is another thing to look at here from this game. They don't look great on paper, just 78 yards on 24 carries, and it was just 14 yards on seven carries in the second half. Um, But they earned every single one of those 78 yards last night. They ran the ball tough. Um, Even when it was, you know, just a two-yard pickup, it was a lot of times a a gain where it maybe should have gone for negative two. Or, you know, they were, instead of picking up a yard, they were picking up three or four. They really fought for everything. They didn't leave any meat on the bone. Shout out to Joseph Randall. Um, And Ezekiel Elliott did some really good things in blitz pickup. There was one time where he got kind of, you know, bullied by Eric Kendricks. That was the first sack Cooper Rush took in the game. Um, And then you had Tony Pollard kind of missing that blitz pickup on Xavier Woods, sack that caused the fumble. Um, And so it it wasn't all great, but I think Ezekiel Elliott specifically in the second half did a really nice job chipping and, and picking up blitzes in the backfield. And of course, he had that really big third and eleven conversion to set up Amari Cooper's touchdown. So the running backs continued to play well, even if the you know the box score, the stat line doesn't look like they were that effective. I, I think they did a lot to um, you know have an impact in this game and and do their best to kind of break down the defense um, as best they could. And and that threat of the that running attack. And some of the ways that the Vikings loaded up against it also allowed you know, Cooper Rush to do some of the things that he did and have some of the success that he did. And uh, before I get to this last point, because it's going to be a point about the coordinators, I will say um, you know, kudos to Mike McCarthy for having them ready to play. I know all you think I hate him. I don't hate him. I just don't know what the hell he does. That's all. And I think it's really tough to nail down what he does. And I think that's fine um, whenever you're winning games. And I think it's negligent whenever you're losing games. And so I, uh, I, I, but I mean, you know, right now things are going well and he's letting his coordinators do their jobs effectively. And so you got to give him credit for that. So I will give Mike McCarthy credit for that. But I think this game was a big victory for, uh, your coordinators and their game plans. Kellen Moore and Dan Quinn had fantastic game plans in place and, and had some fantastic adjustments, as the game went along um, for the game plan. Um, Kellen Moore helped Cooper Rush get comfortable, found him some confidence-building throws early. Uh, I mentioned yesterday on Twitter and talked about it a little bit early in the show that Amari Cooper is the perfect receiver for a guy making his first start, and it's because he is such a clean route runner. He can create separation and, and create comfortable windows for a quarterback looking to get into a rhythm, especially on some of the short and intermediate routes that allow the quarterback to get the ball out early. You know, he can win in a five yard space, he can get separation, you know, five yards from the line of scrimmage really quickly. And, uh, that allows the quarterback to get the ball out faster and not have to, you know, stand there and kind of pat the ball and, and get, you know, frazzled by the pass rush. Um, and so kudos to Kellen Moore for drawing up a game plan, um, that did a lot of things to make Cooper rush comfortable, but specifically that made it easy for him to rely on Amari Cooper and, and rely on your $20 million receiver. And then Dan Quinn had this Cowboys defense primed and ready for war in this game. There there was a, an attitude. There was an edge to the defense. Um, just piss and vinegar out there. And, uh, you know, I, I think that this was probably the defense's best game of the season. They managed to limit Justin Jefferson to a career-low 21 yards receiving. Uh, Jefferson also had two receptions, which is tied for the fewest of his career. The only other time he had two receptions was the very first game of his career. Yesterday snapped a nine game streak of at least 65 yards receiving for Justin Jefferson and a 12 game streak of at least four receptions. So the Cowboys locked down Justin Jefferson in a way that the rest of the league hasn't been able to. And Dalvin Cook, who has been a Cowboy killer the last couple of years, was largely held in check. Um, Cook had 160 yards from scrimmage, scrimmage against the Cowboys last season, and he had 183 yards from scrimmage in 2019. He had just 78 yards rushing and on 18 carries in this game, and he didn't have a single reception. And that's just the second time in 48 career regular season games and two career playoff games that Dalvin Cook didn't have a reception. And the only other time it happened was when he played a career-low 18 snaps against the Rams in 2018. So you did things to Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson that the rest of the league simply does not do and cannot do. So this defense, they deserve a lot of credit for playing well, but. Dan Quinn deserves a ton of credit for putting these defenders in a position to succeed. And it's an exciting time to be a Cowboys fan. They are a Super Bowl contender. They are, if not the best team in the NFC, they're right up there. And so uh, there's a lot to look forward to. We'll be obviously keeping an eye on all the Dak Prescott injury news and some of the other things with Tyron Smith and Amari Cooper and and all these little you know nicks and cuts that the – Cowboys are dealing with right now, but a game against the Broncos coming up at the friendly confines of AT&T Stadium. Uh, it's been just about a month. It'll be just about a month since the last time they actually played a game at AT&T Stadium, but coming home for a uh, friendly environment against the Broncos, a team they should beat, uh, but you don't want to take anything for granted, and uh, hopefully you get Dak Prescott back and uh, can return to normal a little bit, but Cowboys are 6-1 and, and it feels really good. All right. We'll talk to you guys next week.
0: Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work